I remember the first time I went to the doctor for my constipation when I was growing up. My, my parents actually suggested that I go because I don't remember this, luckily, but apparently I dealt with constipation from a very young age to the point of, you know, needing treatment as a child to help me go. So when I was in high school, I believe, I was told, you know, you have IBS. And I'm not going to lie, you know, looking at some of the women that I talk to now and some of my clients where they started, I my symptoms were not severe at all. I, I had constipation, and but I was, you know, so young, I didn't pay attention to it. And by the time I, you know, got into health and fitness in college, I think, you know, my diet was just so freaking poor as a kid that it leveled itself out. So I don't consider myself as somebody that had IBS, but I do anymore, anymore. But I do relate to those that do because I remember being like, okay, like what the hell does IBS even mean? And, you know, I have so many clients that come to me and they're like, oh yeah, like my doctor diagnosed me with IBS, but all the things they suggested to manage my digestion have failed, right? And I will say that IBS is crazy, crazy common, right? IBS affects more than one to 10 people in America, depending on, you know, the the source that you check. And while it doesn't on its own typically cause lasting damage to the GI tract, its symptoms can significantly impact your quality of life. And it is more common in women, right? So we'll talk about what IBS is here in a second. Um, And, you know, if you're somebody that's been dealing with IBS for years and you're like, yo, I know this, like, I know what it is. I know what the doctor recommends. Keep listening because if you've been struggling for years and you feel like you're doing everything right, I want to challenge you to get curious about the fact that your IBS may not be IBS, right? Ask yourself, is it really IBS after listening to this podcast, right? So what is IBS? You know, IBS, again, it's super common. Doctors diagnose people with it all the time. And it is thought to be a disorder of the gut-brain connection. So basically what this means is we know our gut and our brain are communicating all the time. It's partially through the vagus nerve, but also, you know, hormones and neurotransmitters, they send signals that impact everything in our body right? So one example for you is during stress. And we know that stress and, you know, mental health play a large role in IBS, IBS symptoms, IBS development, flare-ups, etc. When we are in a state of stress, our adrenaline's high, heart is pumping, all these things, even if it's just mental stress, our brain sends that signal to the gut. And it's like, hey, she is really struggling right now. She is stressed, you know, our cortisol is high, like, you got to shut down what you're doing, right? Digestion is interrupted. And that's where, you know, some people do experience those altered bowel movements, whether it's constipation or diarrhea. And that's because the central nervous system controls the movement of the gut, right? So a part of IBS is that irregular bowel movement. And for some, it does originate from stress and it then triggers that, that reaction. But over time, you know, especially during IBS, our body adapts to that and that stress is their, it, its normal state. So when I have a client come to me with IBS, um, one of the first things we'll do is address stress, right? Because again, little things impact how the brain and the gut communicate. And that stress isn't the only one, you know, meal timing interrupts it. Um, sleep duration, sleep quality, your, where you're at in your hormonal cycle, all these things cause changes to the communication in the brain and the gut, Right. 
And when this communication is disrupted or it's off or triggered, it can lead to IBS symptoms. However, IBS symptoms don't have a single cause, right? And I'm sure you you realize this by now because I feel like I used to spend so much time, even in the last couple of years with my SIBO and Candida, I was like, well, what did I eat to cause this? You know, what did I do? What did I not do? And I often urge my clients to like, try not to focus on that because when you have something going on with your gut, whether it's IBS, a a bigger issue, which we'll talk about in a minute, et cetera, your gut's just going to be weird sometimes, right? So again, I talk about this all the time, like control your controllables, know your non-negotiables to keep yourself at like a baseline. But a lot of times, you know, symptoms arise from a complex combination of internal and external factors working together. And this is where, you know, IBS is is that blanket diagnosis for, in a way, we don't know what's going on, but your symptoms fit, right? So some factors that play a role in the alteration of bowel movements, the irregular and uncomfortable symptoms of IBS come down to factors like visceral hypersensitivity. So basically what that means is you're, you have an increased sensitivity to pain and discomfort in the gut. And that usually results from higher periods of stress, from what we call, you know, intestinal permeability or leaky gut, exposure to food triggers or intolerances or other environmental factors that that stress the lining of the gut and cause pain, right? Bloating, distension, all of these things play a role there. And then obviously we know altered bowel mot- motility is a factor in IBS. Some people have IBS-C, which is constipation. Some have IBS-D, diarrhea, and some are mixed. I find that a lot of the women that come to me, they are mixed because oftentimes we go from that constipation to, oh my God, like body can't take it anymore. I got to get this out, diarrhea, and then rebound constipation again, right? Another factor contributing to these symptoms is just intestinal inflammation and altered immune function. Because again, you know, 60 plus percent of your immune system lies in your gut and the lining of your gut, it houses that immune system. It became it becomes inflamed unfortunately, somewhat easily in people that have IBS because it's almost like chronic triggers. And this alteration in both intestinal lining health and immune function can result in an overactive immune response, depression, anxiety, and other symptoms that go far beyond the gut, right? Because the gut's connected to everything, right? It's connected to your thyroid. It's connected to your adrenals. It's connected to your liver. It's all impacted. Another IBS symptom, you know, that occurs for a lot of people is micronutrient malabsorption. And this is something that I'll look for in blood work when I have a client coming to me with gut symptoms. Um, A lot of times food, especially carbohydrates, but I also see, you know, people that struggle with protein digestion with IBS. Those are things to, to look out for because you might be lacking digestive enzymes, which is another important part of digestion. You might be lacking bile production to help you break down your food. Your good bacteria might be low. Um, Because a big factor in IBS is gut dysbiosis, bacterial overgrowth. They go hand in hand. So your IBS might have started as a little bit of constipation, a little bit of discomfort, but combined with, you know, all these chronic symptoms, the long-term alterations, while, while it's probably not causing like damage, damage, like cuts or ulcers or anything like that, it can cause that downregulation of GI motility, constipation, intestinal inflammation, and altered immune function. You're not absorbing nutrients correctly. Gut dysbiosis, bacteria levels aren't 
correct because again, you're not getting nutrients and it's just a breeding ground for other infections. So this is what really bothers me when doctors are like, yeah, you probably have IBS. And for years, you know, you go to the same doctor and it's the same thing. They're like, oh, well, how's your digestion? And you're like, it still sucks. And they forget what they recommended because they don't really know you. And they recommend the low FODMAP diet again, because that's one of the most common ways to quote unquote manage IBS. But I will, you know, I'll say this a thousand times, the IBS, the low FODMAP diet is not a solution. For most people, it is not a long-term solution. And a lot of the people that I talk to, you know, in the DMs and my clients, they'll be like, yeah, I felt better for like a month, but then all of a sudden the foods that felt safe started triggering me, right? So that's where, again, I encourage you to dig deeper and wonder if it's something more. No low FODMAP diet, laxative that the doctor recommended or other medication that you're probably going to become dependent on, no other Band-Aid solution helps, right? You've been there. You've tried it all. You've probably spent hundreds of dollars on supplements. I've been there. And you're like, well, what gives? Like nothing is working for more than a month, for more than two weeks, for more than a couple months. And then you're back at square one with all of these uncomfortable symptoms. So if you are struggling with IBS, or if you are a coach and your client is having constant GI discomfort, constant IBS-like symptoms, do not give up and do not let your clients give up. I am, like I've said, I've had so many clients come to me feeling hopeless, having, having given up hope of ever being able to eat their favorite foods again, go weak without bloat and distension, wear the jeans that make them feel sexy or poop like a normal human, right? I have clients coming to me just accepting that that's their fate. And they're like, it is what it is. Like, I want to feel better, but I also have these other goals. That doesn't have to be the case. Discomfort shouldn't be your normal. And if it is right now, I am sorry. I am sorry because that is no way to live, right? And if you see see my recent post on Instagram, you know, I shared my client Sarah's story of how, you know, when she came to me, she literally was having life-altering diarrhea and it was diagnosed as, you know, IBSD to the point of like, she was stressed about walking too far because she was worried about having an accident. She didn't want to eat out because she was worried about what if she... She, anytime she ate at a restaurant, it didn't matter what she ate. She immediately had embarrassing diarrhea, you know, and she felt uncomfortable in front of her husband. So it's like, how do you feel sexy? And I've been there. I have been so messed up with my gut that it's like, how do you feel sexy? How do you feel good about yourself when you just feel disgusting? Right. So, you know, after years and years of these symptoms and being told it's just IBS, it's just IBS. She came to me and we dug deeper. And, you know, for those of you that are wondering what digging deeper looks like when it's a gut issue primarily, once I've gotten to know your lifestyle, once I've gotten to know, you know, what your what your goals are and where you are now is usually a GI map stool test, right? And with Sarah, it wasn't that, you know, IBS alone was causing her symptoms, it was the fact that she had very low amounts of good bacteria, low amounts of good gut bugs that are a major part of digesting her food. And she was also reacting to gluten. A part in the GI map shows secretory IDA, which is immune function, and then antigliadin, which shows if you are having an autoimmune or immune response to gluten, right? While it cannot definitively diagnose celiac, it it made perfect sense with her. Um, and this is not a podcast about celiac, although it is a topic that I am very, very, very familiar with. Um, elevated antigliadin, especially when you're not regularly consuming gluten, which she wasn't because she suspected it made her feel bad, um, 
that is a trigger where I'm like, hey, you might have celiac. You could go through the process with your doctor. Um, And we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, her main symptoms were the diarrhea and then going long periods of time of being constipated and then having like crazy diarrhea. Also having diarrhea when she ate out, which again, you know, cross-contamination, et cetera, mixed with low beneficial bacteria. And it's probably very likely that her good bacteria is low. She also had tons of nutrient deficiencies in her blood work, B vitamins, vitamin D, et cetera. All of that happened in part due to the gluten sensitivity because she didn't know and she's eating gluten and that can contribute to intestinal permeability, which basically is an injury to the intestinal lining that allows things to filter through that aren't supposed to, toxins, food particles, et cetera. And that's what we call leaky gut, right? And all of this leads to that inflamed state in the body. So more or less, you know, the GI map was a big eye opener for us. And it was like, hey, you literally don't have, like, this is something you're going to overcome. It is. We had a clear timeline of, hey, this is what we're going to do. And with low beneficial bacteria, you know, it's typically just making sure that we're finding things that sit well with her while she's sensitive. We're supporting her lining, supporting um, intestinal health, and then repopulating good bacteria, which I'm not going to go crazy into in this episode. But, you know, after doing that, and we worked together probably for around six-ish months, I knew she was traveling after our coaching was ending. And I was so eager to hear how it went. And she said that she spent 10 days in Europe. And obviously was stressed about how her digestion would be because she hasn't been able to eat out locally, never mind in another country. And her digestion was healthy and normal. She didn't have to hold back. She didn't have to restrict, except she stays away from gluten. She enjoyed ice cream and burgers and treats. And she ate when she wanted to. And she was fine. She was fine. She didn't have an accident. She didn't have diarrhea once. Like that, tell me that was IBS, right? So she was being told for years and years and years she had IBS and we essentially overcame it in six months. And she's not the only one, you know, I've had clients where they swear, you know, their doctors swear it's IBS and we do a GI map or I have them even do a simple questionnaire and I start to see other symptoms pop up because, and I've done posts on this, GI symptoms don't only eat that affect the gut. Some other symptoms and my other, one of my other clients, I had candida and SIBO is another example of that. She was told she had IBS. She would, she, when she came to me, she was like, I've spent so much money on supplements. I've tried different probiotics. They work for a week, maybe two. And then I'm back to feeling like crap. And I don't know what to take. I don't know what to eat. I don't know what to naughty. I don't know what to do. She's having undigested food in her stool, bloating, fatigue is one of the biggest ones. She could barely get through her workout. She was not feeling refreshed in the morning. Brain fog is another one. Imbalances in your gut, bacteria, are going to cause other symptoms. Brain fog. How can you think clearly when you when you're not absorbing your food? When you have an infection inside of you, if you do, um, when your stomach acid levels are low, when you aren't pooping and there are little shit fermenting in your gut, right? So brain fog. She wasn't recovering well from exercise, and this is another one that I see a lot with my leads that have GI issues. There were other, you know, alterations in her blood work that showed me, hey, we got to dig into her gut. Um, rashes, that's another one, especially with candida. So again, you know, we got rid of the candida, the bacterial overgrowth, put her through, you know, the steps to do that. She freaking crushed it. And now 
she's going to the bathroom regularly. She's eating all the foods that she loved, that she loved before and that she loves now. And she's going to the bathroom almost every day, right? So I know, you know, I could tell you like 10 more stories. Another one is H. pylori. That's another common one that I see. These are just a few examples. But what I'm getting at here is if you have been struggling with IBS forever and your doctor is dismissing you, or even if they're trying to help and you're at a GI, like, don't hesitate to reach out, but especially do not give up, right? Because IBS, while yes, for a lot of people, it is it is just that. It is just that neurological stress-driven issue. But for a lot of people, maybe it starts as that. And I think that is the case here for some of my ladies. And then it, you know, compounds to just like poor intestinal health, leaving you more susceptible for infections, taking a hit on your immune system, again, leaving you more susceptible and everything just kind of triggers downstream. So you know, what do I suggest if that's where you are? Start with your lifestyle. You know, being that IBS is thought to be a disorder of the gut-brain axis, take a look at your stress bucket. And your stress bucket is basically everything in your life that's causing you stress. And, you know, whether it's work stress, relationship stress, mental stress, poor sleep is stressed, poor food quality is stressed, under-eating is stressed, overeating is stressed, Overexercising, erratic eating behavior, so not having a structure or schedule really, um, hydration, and then stressing about your IBS. And I'm not calling you out because I've been there too. Like stressing about what's wrong with your gut is adding stress. It is. So that's where, you know, if you feel like your lifestyle factors are all pretty good, you get sleep, you know, you you eat a balanced diet, you you exercise, but not too much, you you do all the things. That's where, you know, you're going to want to evaluate taking that next step and diving deeper into what that root cause could actually be, because there is a way to feel better. You don't have to deal with this for the rest of your life. This isn't your normal. And the second that you believe that and start advocating for yourself, the second that you're on your way to feeling better. So guys, I hope that this was helpful diving into, you know, what IBS is, what, you know, it may feel like, what the symptoms are, and some some possibilities of, you know, when to dig deeper, what it may be, and and everything like that. So, you know, if you have questions on this, if you need help with this, if you need help coaching a client through this, you know, message me on Instagram. I'm always happy to to talk and thank you for hanging out with me. I will talk to you soon.